0: This episode was recorded outdoors as part of a live videotaping. To see the video, follow the Total Life Complete Facebook page, go to tlcpod.com, or find Total Life Complete on YouTube or Vimeo. Enjoy! Today I'm here with Jess Garland, artist, educator and activist. Welcome to Thank you. (laughs) First thing up. Congratulations on your new single, Glow. Thank you. Out there. I want to come back and talk about that, uh, particularly in just a couple of seconds. But I always ask all my guests on the show, uh, "How do you introduce yourself at a party when people ask you?" Why?
1: Um, I usually, <laughs> I usually tell people that I play the the harp first. Um, Multi instrumentalist because I play the guitar as well. But I know that uh, uh, being a harpist is for me, it's not really rare. But for a lot of people, it really is. And a lot of people are looking for a harpist, so that's usually the first thing that I that I tell them.
0: <laughs> does that tend to hook people in? Because I would think I, I would probably want to ask another question. You know, someone said they're an accountant, maybe not, but they're a harpist. They're a harpist. <laughs> Go on.
1: It definitely it definitely does, and I'm I'm used to the conversation going that way, and I'm kind of used to the certain questions that people ask. that normally ask to come after that. You know, like you know, how much does it weigh, and um, do you need help carrying it sometimes, and. Is it hard to play is a lot of, uh, one of the questions that I get a lot. Um, how do you play it? You know,
0: <laughs> and um, all of those questions will be answered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll give everybody an information sheet. Just yeah. to cover up there. So let's change gears a bit. Uh, what motivates you?
1: Um, really being out in nature, honestly, and just living, living life. Like I'm not a person that, um, well, I do journal a lot, you know, daily, or try to have like a, a ritual and a practice of doing that. But um, really just coming out to uh, places like this, coming to Fair Park, it's, it's my neighborhood and I need to come up here sometimes for a break from my busy schedule with teaching and preparing for, you know, interviews like this or whatever else is on my schedule for today. But coming out and I really uh, try to get some fresh air and really just get some inspiration from the natural things that are around me.
0: So speaking of music, uh, as you've already said, you're a multi-instrumentalist and also a singer. Um, yeah. So talk about your process a little bit. Where do you start when you've got a song idea in the writing process? Do you have to go to instrument or words? Or?
1: Um, it really depends on what's kind of coming to me. Like Again, I, I do. I have like a ritual and a practice of journaling uh, daily. Yeah. I do something called morning pages. That I um, got from reading a book called The Artist's Way, yeah, which is like Cameron. a. Yeah. 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 So right, um, right, I actually right. just started back doing my morning pages and um, really forgot how much magic comes from that, you know, because it's just a lot of mindless, like writing as soon as you wake up in the morning and. Um, I just started back doing it if I already written another song, you mm-hmm. know, like, but now I wasn't planning to. I'm gonna write a song on this day and this is gonna be the subject matter. You know, there are artists that work that way and sometimes I make a commission to do things like that. But when it comes to like stuff that I'm feeling or something that I wanna say, um, it, it definitely starts from uh, just um, journaling, um, writing poetry. Um, a lot of times I do um, I do start with the harp a lot, you know. But there are some songs that I have that's just guitar as well, too, or or both, you know, I just kind of do what I feel like, what the song is trying to say or what feel or vibe that I'm trying to get from uh, from the song. Mm-hmm. The, the latest song I just wrote was uh, was just guitar. I may add like some harp in it, but it, it definitely started with just guitar at first, just messing around with just like some jazzy chords. Right.
0: I'm just going to say before we move on, I recommend The Morning Pages and reading <coughs> Julia Cameron's book. And it's not just for artists, although it's called The Artist's Way. I think if everybody in the world started doing uh, The Morning Pages and uh, The artist Dates and other things that she talks about in the book, the world to be a better place. So
1: you know. I, I agree. I, I think a big part of it is like everybody knowing that they're a creator as well, too. And If everybody can look within themselves and know that they are a creator and that they can create something because a lot of people that I know or that are around me, I know a lot of creators, but I also know a lot of people that don't think that they're a creative or have like a different idea what they think a creator means or is but everybody can create something everyone can make something if you are making dinner every day you're creating something you know Mm -hmm. if you're putting together your outfit you know like you've got your hat on you know uh, color coordinating you're creating something so yes i would agree with that that's it's definitely something for everybody everybody has an is is, there's an artist in everyone there's a creator in everyone for sure
0: so I, i want to talk about the um the process keep going on that um, between something like uh, resurrecting Gaia versus Glow, this yeah. so two, two quite different things. Maybe just explain to the viewers a little bit about each what each of those is and kind of the process mm-hmm. comparison between those. Two.
1: There are um, there are some some similarities to it, but it's definitely not the same thing or the same um, project. So resurrecting Gaia is a project or performance that I did with Aurora Festival in twenty eighteen. Um, I wrote a grant to um, to be able to do this performance, which was at um, Kettle Art Gallery in Deep Ellum. And I did that project in collaboration with um, Eric Trich um, and um, uh, James Salambas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a solo performance, a one-woman show uh, primarily, um, where uh, Aurora's theme at that time was future worlds. And so... Um, I basically just use the music that I already created to just inspire, kind of going back to the artist way, you know, if everyone did Morning Pages, maybe the world would be a better place. Just kind of um, offering inspiration through different sounds, um, different lyrical content that honestly really came from inspired from a divorce which glow was inspired from my divorce as well too so um but it's really not about the divorce it's really bigger than it it's really about finding yourself and finding your place um in the world finding your purpose um but to kind of uh, add to that theme of it um pixel lab um with eric he really kind of helped with the visuals of um of um Kind of having this like outer space kind of vibe or kind of world, uh, so that people can think about what the future could look like. Um,
0: but yeah, <laughs> again, congratulations on the single. I've listened to it a few times, and I think it's it's really something you have to. Listen to, yeah, um, you know, to really get it. I, and I, I did that again this morning before uh, coming here. And I was like, Yeah, uh, so kind of sorry about that, all that pain, but yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> that, that is entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> I should feel something,
1: right? A lot of people really didn't know that that's, didn't guess what that was inspired mm-hmm. from. Um, and again, it's it's bigger than what what happened to me. It's really just about uh, it's really just, and it's the same thing with uh, resurrecting Gaia. And I do try to challenge different um, goddess or divine feminine energy a lot because I uh, uh, that's a lot of that's what I am as well too. Um, you have to go through things um, in life to you have to go through things to be able to grow, you know. And so, even while that was a lot of pain, I definitely was able to transform myself through that. And I'm gonna go through something else that's gonna get me to where i'm trying to go or the next level um but um yes yeah, a lot of pain there but it's really just about uh, a story of um growth and transformation and um even though it's somewhat somber it's uh it's meant to be the sun glow is meant to be triumphant as well mm-hmm. too
0: yeah <laughs> well, i hope we can get this out before the end of the year because it, that kind of feels like uh, an end for 2020 <laughs> you know like it's the force in the but year you've got you got a, <laughs> So how was it getting that that out? Have you heard yourself on the radio yet, and getting a few streams and things like that?
1: Yes, it's been really nice to. So Dallas Observer featured me in an article, um, and um, KURA's Art and Seek featured me as well too. Um, Both features were different. KURA focused a little bit more on uh, my additional inspiration, which was from Bjork, Mm, and mm -hmm. um, a lot of people don't know that, um, or do know that Bjork used. um, she uses a lot of different instruments in her music, but um, she uses harp a lot throughout um, a lot of her albums. And one of her um, harpists is uh, Zena Parkins. Mm-hmm. And um, she, is a, she definitely has a classical background, but she's uh, kind of a pioneer in experimental music world and definitely a pioneer uh, as a harpist um, as well too. So um, a couple of her songs, um, Pagan Poetry, And Arising My Senses uh, really was a huge inspiration for GLOW. um, Because there's a lot of similarities in Bjork's story as well too, you know, with um, just a lot of just past relationships and pain and change and transformation. Like, um, you know, a lot of things can look beautiful, um, but people don't really know like what uh, the backstory or the foundation or the background to that. Mm -hmm. Like it can look good, you know, within this photo shoot or this interview or whatever. Um, the song can even sound a certain a certain way, like uh, you can't deny the beautiful sound of a harp, you know, but there is a lot of um, there's a lot of um, discomfort, you know, change. What I'm trying to say is change and transformation is not always it's not beautiful. I would mm-hmm. say it's probably not never beautiful. <laughs> it may look that way to the eye, but it's really uh, it's, it's the it's not even the outside. It's the inside of what you have. Um, that's that's the transformation,
0: you know, mm-hmm. it's ugly.
1: That's what I'm saying. Change is ugly.
0: <laughs> so, because we're kind of like a, a a creativity and lifestyle show as well, uh, are you happy?
1: Just in general, yes, <laughs> yes. It's um. This year has been really difficult. I'm not gonna lie. It's been difficult for a lot of people. You know, honestly, just I just got off the phone with a friend um, who's got a couple of family family members that's in the hospital right now due to COVID, and it's um. It's just a really, really hard time. But um, again, you know, change is never pretty. And um, I, I, I'm hoping that, that this year people um, uh, had the opportunity to look within and uh, find purpose. You know, there's a lot of things that transpired this year with in terms of, um, um, of social justice.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's, you know, be things that are just beyond uh, health issues like COVID, you know um things in terms of uh of uh work and capitalism have come up you know as well too you know why are we working so hard every day for nothing and you know a lot of us can barely like you know make rent you know so I think this is a year where people are really um getting the opportunity to kind of look more within and find what's more meaningful and more um finding their purpose and um, for me, it was just an opportunity to kind of, it just opened up the door a little bit more to continue to do the work that I'm, that I'm doing. And I'm, I'm grateful. Like there's a lot of musicians and artists friends that are, um, and, and not even just music and, and artists friends, but just people in general are just out, a lot of people out of work, you know, mm-hmm. but I'm grateful that I've been able to continue to keep teaching guitar and harp. Um, it's been all mostly online and, um, um. It's great to be able to do my work and do my art. You know, that's that's what really makes makes me happy.
0: So let's talk about uh, Swan Strings now and uh, talk about. We'll just maybe explain to the viewers a little bit, and we're kind of transitioning now into your role as an educator and uh, Swan Strings. So Swan
1: Strings is a nonprofit organization um, that was established in January in twenty nineteen. Um, I've been teaching guitar in Dallas for fifteen years. And with the last three or four years focusing in the nonprofit sector. So in 2018, I went uh, to Arts Mission Oak Cliff and started um, doing free guitar lessons over there. Kept doing a lot of crowdfunding. um, And I realized that it was a, uh, what kind of a huge need that it was uh, for what I was doing. And so ultimately decided to become a 501C3 and now I have three teachers that are assisting me. Um, We're currently offering um, five um, online guitar classes. I'm breaking back the, um, virtual harp class. Um, I will say this too, um, really quickly. Like when I was at La Daya was when, um, president Trump first got into office and, um, I had like, I had to say to like a class of over 20 students, um, who, um, were really upset, you know, that day because most of those students come from Spanish speaking family households. And so, um, you know, I really try not to talk about certain things to my students in class, but that was just something that I couldn't, you know, ignore. And we didn't really get that deep into it, but they really told me that they were upset It felt like their parents or grandparents were gonna get deported, and what was gonna happen to them, you know, um, and the best answer I had for them was guitar. You know, I'm like, well, we all showed up today. We'll still, we're still here, you know, let's just start like slowly picking up the guitar and strumming a little bit and let's see if we feel a little bit better. and that was another moment when I realized like how important it was what I'm what I'm doing. You know, it's not just about learning an instrument. It's not just about becoming the next rock star, whatever that means to you. And that's okay if that's what you want to do. But it's really about discipline and um, learning more about yourself. You mm-hmm. know, um, it's just it's just like the morning pages. It's, it's another way to um, to know more about yourself, to get in tune with yourself, to be. Uh, better for yourself, so that you can be better for others that are around you too. So it's it's definitely deeper than um, than just free music education.
0: So what, what success do you?
1: That's a great question. Cause I um I I'm I feel pretty successful, <laughs> but cause to me it's not about uh, the money that I make, um, cause it's not a lot. <laughs> Um, but I do I do okay, I do, I live a pretty uh, comfortable life for sure, but it's um, that I've been able to um, uh, put myself out there, that I've been able to, that I've been able to create something, that's, a, that's a success, right, that I can do something, that I can create something, that I can work on my craft, that I can put something together, that I can compose something, and then from there that I can put the project out, which is um, uh, a privilege you know Um, and that people are listening to it <laughs> same thing with teaching that I'm able to like I know a lot of musicians and artists that they are just musicians and artists and they are not educators you know and they tell me all the time like I don't know how you do it like I don't know how to teach someone how to mm-hmm. how to do something and it requires a lot of um, a lot of patience you know and again you're it's not just about music education you're really getting to know your student just like how they're getting to know me too and they're getting to know themselves you know and 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 same thing for me like as as an educator like I'm constantly learning every day like I don't know everything you know but and but again it's not even about knowing all about music theory for example you know I um I would just describe success as in um having the privilege of being able to um to have a talent to be able to create something and do something and and um put it out there. (laughs) And then people respond to it, you know.
0: (laughs) So I introduce you um, also as one of your hats as as an activist. Is that how you see yourself in any part?
1: I only just started kind of thinking about that more recently. I feel like I've always been that way, but I didn't really think about it until I started thinking about the projects and organizations that I'm involving myself in you know but definitely have always always been that way I've always been outspoken about things that are not right I've always gotten in trouble <laughs> in trouble you know as a child and even as an adult you know working in corporate uh, and other nonprofit settings which is kind of going back to success I'm, I'm grateful that I can have my own brand and my own organization to so where I can do my own because a lot of companies are rooted in old thoughts and principles that continue the same cycles that we're seeing every day. So I, I've always been, I think, naturally an activist, but I think more so when I did a project last year called Their Lives Mattered that was at, was premiered at Texas Theater. It was a collaborative collaborative project that I did with Fatima Hirsi, who's a, a poet, but she also works with um, Mothers Against Police Brutality. And she kind of brought me in the fold with that organization a little bit more. And I had already knew some of the, the, the founders and members of that organization, but just started kind of like being a little bit more active with that organization, seeing what it's like and what they're doing and the types of events that they're doing. And that was a grant from the city of Dallas as well, too, where we went out to places all over Dallas where people had been killed by law enforcement to talk to just everyday people about how they feel, how they feel about the police, if they knew about some, if they knew the name of this person who was killed, you know, on this, in this block or on this corner or whatever. How Um, was that?
0: How was that process? I imagine that might have been difficult.
1: Asking those questions and getting the feedback that we needed for the project wasn't hard because, and I didn't think it would be hard because we're talking to everyday people, you Mm -hmm. know, like there are certain people that don't believe or choose to not believe. That there is police brutality you know mm-hmm. I've had particular stories and there situations in my life that there was a, a one point in time where I wanted to be an attorney but there were some things that transpired in my life to where I just didn't want anything to do with law enforcement at all and try to figure out a different way to get involved with policies in the community to bring about change which is all I ever really wanted to do you know but they're going back to establishments and organizations, you know, and um, old policies and principles keeps certain things, you know, happening. And you kind of have to step outside of that a little bit. But a lot of people, again, because they're real people, everyday people, you can go to the corner store right up here and ask somebody the same question. I guarantee you they'll tell you a story that they may have had with the police or a family member that they, they have had with the police that was not pleasant, you know. So it wasn't really hard, believe it or not, to get that, to get that information. And we talked to all while of life. So we went to different neighborhoods. Um, We talked to, um, you know, people from different ethnic backgrounds, different ages. The general uh, narrative was that people felt unsafe. People uh, felt like there's definitely a success of force. There are people that are definitely becoming like more aware of um, their surroundings and what's happening to them because a lot of times people only live in their bubble and their world and maybe never have to deal with these types of things. So what I was really kind of nervous about was so it was like that part of it, you know, filming these interviews. And then I had to compose music to go with it, had to play it live, you know, um, hosted, you know, it was like a lot going on and then have a Q&A at the end with Mothers um, Against Police Brutality. I invited one police officer there. Uh, there was another one who didn't feel comfortable because they felt like, you know, they were going to get attacked, you know and i always approached the 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 conversation of letting everyone know that like i'm uncomfortable too like i it's not this is not a normal occasion for me to sit down and talk to a police officer i don't feel comfortable you know i don't i don't like it you know um but i was open enough to at least say that and have that conversation i'm not saying one police officer at a time can't change things but it's the it's it's the entire organization it's the entire um system you know and and i say that because of even though this is a different um beast that we're dealing with just in regular corporate settings um again me trying to speak up about things thinking i'm going to be the change i can do something different but i'm already dealing with something that has like a whole history over hundreds of years of being a certain a certain way you know so that one person or every few people or whatever cannot in my opinion can't be the person to um, to change the whole um, establishment or organization, I, I say start something new. <laughs> <laughs> start something new, you know, because some a lot of things are built in. Um, there are a lot of things that are just flat out just built in racism, you know, and, um, and sexism, and, there's, and there is, um, and you can have all the training in the world and um, discussions and things about it, but at the end of the day, people are going to go home. I'm not saying you can't change anyone, change anyone's thought process, or no one can learn nothing from it, but a lot of things I think are just ingrained within your DNA, and that person has to be the per- has to be the one to go within, going uh, going back to going within yourself, you know, to reprogram yourself, you know, um, in your thought processes, which is a very uh, it's not that easy to do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Is there a story behind swans?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Can People we'll get- don't really ask that one a lot. Um, okay, so the reason why it is called Swan Stream is because um again going back to transformation and change uh swans uh, we all know the story of the ugly duckling you know which the duckling was never ugly but <laughs> but swans you know when they're uh born don't look the way that they turn out you know so it's really just um uh it's really like like I, I compare myself to a swan you know like I've transformed and um and I'm always open to and so i just want that to be um uh relatable or to translate to my students as well too that everything is about um uh challenging yourself and um going through change and to get to to what, to wherever you're trying to go to get to get to the next level but also deeper than that um the god the indian um goddess uh Selawati. she um she's normally um she's seen, she's the music goddess and a teaching goddess, and uh, she's normally seen playing uh, a vena, which is like a sitar. I also play sitar as well. And um, whenever you see a, a, uh, an image um, of Saraswati, she's usually seen with a swan mm-hmm. and or a peacock. Mm-hmm. But the swan um, uh, his name is Viveka, which means discernment.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just thinking now about goddesses. Um, I feel like we need to talk more about that, <laughs> you know, it's come up a couple of times so I think it seems like uh, I guess the context to, to my question is you know, we haven't really talked about environmentalism that much and um, just the situation, the climate uh, crisis that we're in I've seen personally, I've, I've seen down in Australia last time I visited there, you know, it just seems we we're all caught up with our own issues and, and the elections here and you know meanwhile the are in flames but so it turns to to, to turn that that's the kind of context but um it kind of seems that the world would be a better place and would solve some of these things with uh, a few more goddesses or at least a bit more feminine energy around i don't know
1: no i'm glad you brought that up because there's a lot that goes into everything that you just said so um Yes. It seems like people just forgot about Australia. You know, that was a moment where it was just like, you know, that was all over the media. And we we're like seeing that a part of the world is just like in flames, you know, but then there's all these other distractions and things that's going on where we just kind of, it seemed, felt like we just kind of forgot about it, you know? Just because of our own um, own stuff or whatever, but um, but yes, like going, kind of going back to resurrecting Gaia again. Like I was just trying to bring up, just kind of elevate feminine energy, just by higher vibrations of feminine, you know, energy. Because there is a lot of toxic. Um, not to say there isn't toxic femininity, because. That exists, <laughs> but there's a lot of toxic masculinity that is that is um, rooted in a lot of these old um, policies and thought process with a lot of these laws and establishments and, and organizations as well. A recent project that I just got funded for, so it's going to be presented by Aurora as well. So this is my second project with Aurora, and this is also going to be funded by the city of Dallas as well, too, where I am confronting environmental racism in Dallas. And I'm specifically mostly focusing on Shingle Mountain. Mm which is um, off of, um, I'm from Dallas, so I'm old school, so it's off of 075, but it's not far from the Trinity Audubon Center if, like, if folks need a, a landmark area.
0: I know people will be watching this around the world, and uh, I know generally there's kind of like a north-south divide in in, in Dallas. Uh, yeah. Um, where some of these freeway numbers that you're talking about is really talking about a part of Dallas that people would associate with um, lower socioeconomic Mm -hmm. uh, uh, classes or or, or folks that that live down there.
1: Shingle Mountain is an illegal dump. And I've gotten to know Marsha Jackson. The mountain is literally in her backyard. She and her, some of her neighbors are getting sick. You know because of this something just needs to be done about it i mean i don't you know i've I've seen all types of protests i've seen other partnerships like mothers against police brutality and others bring an issue to this she's definitely have gone to to the city council about this numerous times you know they did rule for it to be to stop the operations of that uh of that site from what i understand supposed to be dates for it to be removed the last time I think I talked they were supposed to be gone by the end of this year, but it's December and mm-hmm. nothing's happening. And she's been doing protests, um, I believe, every Monday until the end of this year to kind of bring attention to this because it's like they said they were gonna remove this, you know. Mm-hmm. But they've been saying this for like the past, you know, couple of years, and it just seems like it's these are one. Of, this is one of those things where it shouldn't be about politics or money. Or this is just something that's just like, remove it. You know, it should have never happened in the first place. Something like this would have never happened in park cities. Mm -hmm. And let's just say if it somehow did, it would be removed immediately, you know. And these are people's lives. You know, they invested into this property and invested into this land, and this is not their fault. And it is actually across the uh, highway from uh, the city dump.
0: Right. So
1: she's like you know, how did y'all not know about this? You know, how did y'all like allow this to happen? I've been kind of working closely with her and um, there's really a lot more to that story that I really want to kind of uh, convey because it's it to me it's deeper than North and South Dallas or Black and White Dallas. I want to tell the story of that uh, people don't listen to Black women. <laughs>
0: right, right. <laughs> because right. it's
1: the truth. You know, she has been talking about this the entire time mm-hmm. and it's like uh, she gets, she's, constantly being disregarded you know and there are statistics that show that even examples of of COVID where a black woman may say I'm experiencing symptoms or can I get tested and they just kind of disregard her because they're um, thinking about stereotypes of that woman is just being a dramatic or theatrical or whatever they want to call it about what they think about you know black women instead of just listening to us and taking us seriously like you know she says she feels sick test her. <laughs> you know what I mean? And just leave it at that, you know, regardless of thinking too deep into your stereotypes, you know, it's the same thing with uh, black women in childbirth. People really believe that it's like, they don't even believe that we can feel pain, you know, because it's so, so stuck on the narrative of just a strong black woman, you know, but I hurt, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I feel pain, you know, like, can I overcome things? Absolutely. But I shouldn't have to die or I shouldn't have to tell you Plenty of times that that I'm not well, you know, and I've I've experienced those those things a lot of times when, you know, I feel like a lot of times people always wait till it's too late in a lot of situations. And especially with with black women, it's like I've been saying the whole damn time I don't feel safe and I don't feel comfortable. Just like Marsha, she doesn't she's not she's dealing with health issues from this toxic dump. You know, and nobody's listening to her, is what it feels like. You know, like she does have a lot of support, but why is it still there? It's one thing to get pressed, it's another thing where action or things are really
0: happening, you mm-hmm. know? Um, this kind of brings me to the question I always trying to think when I interview somebody, what's the one question that I can ask them that, that kind of uh, is unique to, to, to them as much? And maybe uh, the best I could come up with really was thinking about uh, this overlap between you know, art and education and activism and just kind of saying which one of these, combination of these is going to change them, you know, or is it something else? Apart?
1: I think it's, um, to me, I see it all as one thing, you know. Like, to me, it's like like I do all of these multiple things under, like, one brand, which is me, you know. So I think it's a combination of a few things. I think you have to start with the youth. I think representation matters a lot to students, you know, even to like my Latino students. Like I know that a representation of me is still important to them because I'm still brown, you know, and I mm-hmm. still am familiar with their neighborhoods and familiar with the communities to where I can speak to them in a certain way to where um, they, we can relate to one another. You know, I, I teach all across Dallas. So even in some of my students in park cities or even gated communities who are white students, I think it's important for them as well, too, because they're living in a neighborhood and going to schools where they probably don't have any black students, black peers, you know, and if they do it may maybe one or two, you know, like I went to SMU where a lot of times I was the only black person in class. So you can't tell me that some private school in park cities, I mean, I just know that there's not a lot of black and Brown students that are attending these schools. Some of their exposure sometimes to black and Brown people are um, their nannies, you mm-hmm. know, if that, you know, not all the time, but sometimes, you know, so what I'm trying to say is a lot of my students, I know, that I'm probably the one connection that they have, and um, I think that's good for them too because it's different from what they may be hearing from people around them and maybe from what's being presented in the media online or on TV. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's important all the way around. You know, so definitely starting with, with the youth, it just starts when it just starts at home. You mm-hmm. know, it, everything starts. You know, it starts within yourself and at home. So yeah, education, I definitely spread the, I I think it's all the one same message between education, my music, and activism. And it is really just, again, going back to going within and taking care of yourself, loving yourself first so that you can be able to take care of the people around you.
0: Okay. (laughs) Jess Garland, thanks for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: (laughs) To stay up to date on everything Total Life Complete, follow us on Facebook or at www.tlcpod.com.